Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, if you haven't already downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, it is a great resource, absolutely free. And once you get it, uh, open the menu in the lower right-hand corner under Events, search for Arlington FM, and there you'll find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you'll search for Arlington FM, there you'll find all of our teaching content. Well, uh, we are in a series, and it's called Home Run, Going Yard in Church. And uh, what we're doing is uh, looking at uh, church experience through the lens of a baseball game. You know, some have likened our experience with uh, other followers of Christ as rounding the bases at first base, uh, we come to know who Christ is, uh, associate with his people. Rounding second, uh, we grow in our experience of him. Uh, in the third base, we begin to experience uh, the joy of being used by God uh, for his purposes. And then uh, all the way into home base, we actually share our faith with others. We pass on what we've received from God. You know, I love this picture we showed last week. It's of one of our hometown heroes, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., going yard, hitting the long ball. And, uh, you know, there's just joy exemplified in that photo. Well, in case you didn't notice it, there's a new kid on the block. His name is Julio Rodriguez. He uh, recently, this past week, played in the All-Star Game participated in the home run derby he hit more home runs than have ever been hidden in that contest he came within one long ball of winning the whole thing and uh, again it just uh, these guys exemplify uh, really what a great church experience should be god wants you to hit the home run you know your association with other followers of christ which is what uh, church is uh, really should be uh, the most joyful life-giving, uh, meaningful, purposeful, powerful connection in our lives. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not true for a lot of people. In fact, uh, in this series, we've referenced uh, this growing group of people who believe in God, who believe that God revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ, but they want nothing to do with the organized church. Uh, they've been turned off. They've been hurt. Uh, they've not seen uh, the reality of who Christ is on display in the church. And so uh, in this series, we're trying to get beyond all that noise and get down to what did Jesus have in mind when he spoke these incredible words? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And so, uh, you know, what is it that Jesus set out to institute uh, by not just calling people to himself, but calling those who walked with him to each other. What is this thing we call church? And uh, we've looked at Acts chapter 2, snapshot of the very first church that Jesus had in mind. And they were living out this glorious vision of what church is supposed to be. And here's how uh, Luke, one of the first followers of Jesus, describes that first church. Uh, in Acts 2, verse 42, he says, They, the first followers of Christ, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a wonderful a snapshot, portrait, a picture of a church that's going yard. And uh, if you look closely, uh, what uh, Luke describes here is these five essential elements uh, of a great church. They worship God together. They fellowship. They were connected uh, through the spirit of life that Jesus had poured into them. Uh, you might say they enjoyed the fellowship of the rope with each other. They were committed to growing and learning how to become the people that Christ had called them to be. Uh, they were engaged in ministry and active in evangelism, sharing their faith with others. Well, today, uh, we're going to focus on these words from that snapshot. Uh, it says the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and these were for people to help people with their uh, desperate needs. We're told they sold their property, some of them did, and uh, their possessions. They sold their extra cars, their vacation homes, and uh, they used some of that money to meet the needs of people who were without. And uh, they said they sold their property, possessions, and they shared that money with those who were in need. Uh, well, let me uh, offer a qualifier here. Uh, what's being described here is not a magic show. You know, the people were in awe at the powerful things that the apostles were doing. This was not Christian entertainment. This was not, you know, your faith broadcasting network on display for the first time. This was not a demonstration of their superior spirituality. You know, what is being described here is that the God of heaven is powerfully and graciously meeting the needs of people through those who had come alive in Jesus Christ. I want you to hear that again because this is the essence of ministry is that the God of heaven whom they had come into relationship with was powerfully meeting the needs of people through those who had come alive in Jesus Christ. And this is one of the essential qualities of a church that's going yard. They're worshiping God together. They're connected to each other in meaningful ways. They're encouraging each other to press in and move on to what God has in store for them. And if all of those are real, they lead to this inevitable activity, serving others. They were dedicated to ministry. It's one of the essential elements of a church that's going yard, is caring for and about people who are hurting, caring about the needs of people. And so that uh, this becomes an expression of who followers of Christ uh, really are. You know, uh, someone uh, devoted their entire life uh, to the four Gospels, to understanding what was being described about the Son of God, what was being described about this man named Jesus of Nazareth who claimed uh, to be from God, who claimed to reveal the heart and the nature of God. And uh, this person who spent their entire vocational career uh, looking intently at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, blending them together to come up with a, a portrait of who this man Jesus uh, 
was and how he revealed God to us, he made this statement about the life of Jesus. He said, uh, the most noticeable thing about Jesus is that he lived entirely for others. Uh, hear that quote again. Uh, this man who had dedicated his entire vocational career to understanding the message of the Gospels uh, said this, made this observation. The most not noticeable thing about Jesus is that he lived entirely for others. Uh, that's an amazing observation. It's amazing truth. Uh, Jesus never put himself first. He never thought about his own interest at the expense of others. You know, I had to uh, think about the nature of Jesus and my own nature. I was on vacation recently with my kids, and uh, we, we had arrived at the airport and were informed that the rental car company was notorious for having long lines. And so I actually sprinted uh, to the rental car company trying to get ahead of a couple of shuttles full of people. And as I arrived there, the line was already quite lengthy. And uh, it was a, a two-hour wait uh, to get up to the counter and get my rental car. And I got to tell you, I was not living entirely for others. As I stood there in that line, I had to fend off uh, despising the people behind the counter who, who were far too few to serve the crowds. And uh, they seemed to be moving at a sloth's pace. And uh, I had to fight off... Uh, despising those who came in as preferred customers and cut right to the front of the line. As I watched uh, people approach the counter, I thought, uh, why are they doing small talk? Uh, why are they chit-chatting? They should be taking care of business and moving this line along. And, uh, you know, when I think of my own nature and, and look at the nature of Jesus Christ who lived his life entirely for others, uh, it's, it's amazing. It, it highlights uh, just exactly the nature of Christ and how he approached people. In fact, Jesus made this statement, Matthew 23, verse 11. He said, you want to see what greatness looks like? The greatest among you will be your servant. And that what Jesus was saying is that uh, serving people is not something we do. It's who we are. It's a way of seeing life. It's a way of seeing ourselves. It's a way of seeing others that uh, we, would, we could approach life as living entirely for the benefit of other people. Well, Jesus lived that way. And uh, I think most of us can say, well, thank God there was someone like Jesus who actually did that. Uh, but here's an amazing thing the first followers of Christ understood is that to be forgiven, to be made alive, to be given an eternal destiny because of the, the work of Christ on the cross, it meant this. Uh, John, the beloved, wrote these words, whoever claims to live in Christ must live as Jesus did. Uh, hear those words uh, ring loud and clear. Whoever claims uh, to be forgiven, to be among the redeemed, uh, to be a part of the church, must live as Jesus did entirely for others, hear those words in a different translation. Uh, it says uh, this, uh, whoever claims to live in him must live for others as Jesus did. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, about this first church that we've seen a snapshot of is they, they were dedicated to ministry uh, not because they had a checklist, not because they had some uh, duty to fulfill, 
They said, you know, I've done my, my good deed for the day, and I can check that off the list. Uh, rather, it, it was something that sprang from their hearts. Uh, as we said, you, you know, the, when the Spirit came upon this first group of followers, uh, the lights came on in their minds. Uh, what they knew was connected to their hearts, and it, it uh, resulted in spontaneous praise to God. And out of this worship, they knew that they were connected one to each other, that they shared the same life. Uh, they were motivated uh, to grow and pursue the purpose that God had for them. And out of that, they ministered. They served people. They met the needs of others with joyful and cheerful hearts. Uh, you know, I believe uh, that God wants uh, our serving of others uh, to be birthed in hearts of compassion. In fact, you know, one of the provoking episodes in the early church, a few chapters following in chapter five, uh, there's a, a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. They saw this generosity pouring out of the hearts of Christ followers. They wanted to be seen that way. So they sold some of their possessions, kept a lot of the money for themselves, gave some to the church, but apparently they wanted people to think that they gave it all. They were pouring out their, their lives for the sake of others. Well, God called them on it. Peter called them on it, and uh, the outcome uh, was they, they ended up uh, in the grave. They, they, they were shocked to come to the end of their lives realizing they tried to fake it. They didn't really have this love and compassion for people but they wanted to be seen that way. It's a great lesson that God loves a cheerful giver, a joyful giver, a one who cares about others because they've experienced the lavish love and mercy and generosity of God. You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was moved genuinely by the needs of people. I love this picture. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He was moved in the very deepest way possible. Why is that? Because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He saw their dramatic needs. I love this translation, the living version. It says, what pity Jesus felt for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know what to do or where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Well, what's the response of Christ to that? He wants to meet those needs. He wants to do everything within his abilities to help people who are in desperate straits. And so he turned to his followers, to his disciples, to you and I, and he said, look, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of people out there who have desperate needs for hope and life and encouragement and strength and healing and freedom. But the workers are few. There are few people who will live their lives entirely for others. And so Jesus says this, action step, ask God, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Uh, and, you know, Jesus is saying, let your prayers change your heart. In case you haven't noticed, that's kind of how God works. We talk to God about something that's uh, in our face, the brokenness, the hurting, uh, the desperate needs of people trying to do life without God. And Jesus said, as you talk to your father about that, God will be in the business of sending workers out 
sending out people who are moved by those needs and want to do what they can to meet them. You know, I was at a, a conference recently, and I, I heard something that really stuck with my heart. It was a definition of success in the church, the church that's really going yard. Uh, here's what they said. The measure of our success is not how many bottoms are in the seats. You know, we don't count heads and say, if uh, there's a lot of people sitting here, we're doing well. He said, that's not our measure of success. Uh, not how many bottoms are in the seats, but how many sent people are in the streets. Uh, hear that again. The measure of our success is not how many bottoms we can count in the seats, but how many people are sent out into the harvest, into the streets. And uh, here's the truth. We go yard in church when we value and celebrate serving all people in Jesus' name. We hit the long ball. We hit it out of the park when, when our passion, when our ethos, when our identity as followers of Christ is to serve all people in his name. And uh, here's the key truth. I hope you'll hear as we, we look at this first church that was dedicated to ministry, to serving others. Uh, every follower of Jesus can be God's miracle provision. Every single follower of Christ can be God's miracle provision to meet the diverse and dramatic needs of people. If, here's a big if, if we're open for business, that's really what it comes down to, is uh, as we've come to know God through Jesus Christ, he's filled our hearts. We have this relationship with other Christ followers. We're moving on in our journey toward him. If we're open for business, God will use every single one of us in marvelous ways uh, to, bring, uh, to bring his resource, to bring his touch, to bring his hope, into the lives of others if we are open for business. Love the way Paul, the apostle, makes this very practical. He writes to the church in Ephesus, uh, look, if you're following Jesus, anyone who used to steal, who's been stealing, uh, must cut it out, uh, quit taking from others, but instead must work doing something useful with their own hands uh, toward this end so that they may have something to share with those who are in need. Uh, would you hear that uh, passion from the heart of Paul? Is that, look, before we met Christ, uh, we were all about uh, living for ourselves, uh, doing what we could to meet our own needs, feather our own nests. He said, look, uh, now we have a different perspective. We're following someone who lived entirely for others, and so uh, we can follow in step by doing something useful with our hands uh, accumulating for this end so that we can share with people who are in need. And uh, as Paul goes on in his letter to his friends, he gets even more practical. He said, look, meeting the needs of others, it's not just what you have, it's who you are and what you can do with your life, even your words. He says in verse 25, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Uh, don't let any rotten speech uh, come through the gates of your lips, but only, get this, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. I love that perspective uh, that even, and especially our words, it can be used as ministry to help and encourage and strengthen people and build them up. One of my favorite Proverbs 
uh, says this, like uh, apples of gold in settings of silver. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the right time. And so, uh, you know, here's the essence of what this early church was committed, dedicated to. They were dedicated to ministry. I love this definition of ministry. It's very simple. Simply says this, uh, real ministry is simply meeting needs in Jesus' name. You've got a need. You need to uh, be encouraged. You need to be strengthened. You need to be healed. You need to be helped. Uh, well, doing that in Jesus' name is the essence of ministry. And uh, I want you to think very practical about this in your own life. Uh, think of it in these terms. Whatever we do and whatever we have can become God's miracle provision to meet the needs of people. That could not be more powerful and yet practical. Whatever we do, whatever we have, can become God's miracle provision to meet the needs of people. Uh, someone, a friend of mine, said it like this. What God is really looking for in his church is to see the gifts of his spirit in street form, that the power and the 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 uh, priorities and the provision of God show up in our lives through his spirit, and we take it to the streets. We make it practical. It's a neighbor-to-neighbor, friend-to-friend, worker-to-coworker, and the key seems to be not despising, not thinking little about your potential to be God's miracle provision to someone, to anyone, simply because you show up and you're open for business uh, you know, Jesus, when he was moved with compassion for the crowds, he taught them, he gave them words of encouragement, but then he wanted to feed them. He didn't want to send them home hungry. Again, uh, he lived entirely for others. His life was an expression of the generosity of God towards people. And uh, when the disciples said, Lord, uh, send these people away from here so they can go and eat some dinner and be gone for the night, and Jesus turned to him and said, you feed him. And uh, one of the disciples uh, made this comment. He said, Lord, uh, here's a young boy. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Uh, what, a, what a life lesson for us. We so often look at the immense needs of humanity, even in our own neighborhoods, our own communities. And we say, well, I've got this. But what good is that among these dramatic needs? And uh, if you know the story, we know what Jesus did. Uh, they simply uh, took what was available, put it in the hands of Jesus. He blessed, he broke it, and he used it to feed a multitude. And uh, I really believe if we're going to go yard in our church experience, uh, it has to at some point, uh, we have to embrace that value, uh, that our highest calling our greatest priority, our number one thing that we should be about is serving people in the powerful name of Jesus. Uh, you know, we're going to end uh, with this uh, reference where Jesus sent the 12 out uh, to begin to introduce them to what following him was all about, living like he did in the world, giving our lives to meet the needs of people who many times are far away from God don't want a thing to do with God, living in rebellion to God, and we get to be the delivery boys of truth and hope. Uh, here's how Jesus sent out the 12. 
This is kind of my paraphrase of what he said, but you can read it on your own in Matthew 10. Uh, Jesus said, look, uh, go, do miraculous things for people. It's things you never imagined that you could do. Heal the sick, uh, make the lame walk, uh, free those who are oppressed, but do it because of me, aware of my presence with you. And as you're doing this, as you're doing wonderful things for people in my name, remember this, the only thing that can stop God from meeting the needs of people through you, the only thing that can stop God from miraculously meeting the needs of people through you is a closed heart. And so Jesus said this, freely you have received, now freely give. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for this reminder of what it means to follow Jesus in the world, that anyone who claims to be alive in him, to be forgiven, to be a child of God, to have an eternal destiny, to be a Christian, ought to live like Jesus did in the world. He lived entirely for others. Never was his life about meeting his own needs. It was always looking for how he could be God's provision to those whose needs were desperate. Lord, thank you for the open door, for the invitation. Thank you for the reminder that if we've been born again through a living hope, if we worship God, if we fellowship with each other, if we're on the pathway to growth and maturity, the natural outcome is we'll be dedicated to serving others in your name. I pray, Lord God, that you would fire that flame up in us, fan it into flames, and let us be known like Jesus was known as someone that lived entirely for the benefit of others. Lord, maybe there's some today who are minimizing their influence what they have to contribute. They would be like that disciple who said, well, here's a boy with few loaves and a few fish, but what are they among so many? And uh, Lord, would you move us past that? May we realize that that little that we have when we put it in your hands, when we're open for business, can be miraculously blessed to meet the needs of others in wonderful ways. We pray you do this in Jesus' name and for his glory in the church both now and forever. Amen.